today. Good news on guns from the Supreme Court. But don't worry. The state of New York and Joe Biden still want to take your rights away. We've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. It is Friday Eve, and uh, we've got Stu Bergier, host of Stu Does America, which you should be subscribed. Look, you yep. can find it on Blaze TV, but you should also be subscribed on YouTube. Uh, also, Blaze TV contributor Yaku Buyans, host of The Bottom Line, which you also should be subscribed to. Um, and uh, I want to, look, I'll take, I'll take the wins where we can get them at this point uh, with the state of the country that we're in. Um, and this morning, the Supreme Court struck down a New York gun control law that required people to show proper cause to get a license to carry a concealed handgun outside the home, which I felt like the, uh, the, the proper cause is, was just the Second Amendment. Like, I didn't... <laughs> It was weird that they were even like insisting upon this because it seems when you look at it, it's like, no, that's just a blatant violation of uh, the Second Amendment. Well, at least this time, the uh, Supreme Court agreed. Well, some of them. It was 6-3. Thomas delivered the opinion uh, of the court in which Roberts, Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, of course, joined. And so you know who filed the dissent. Breyer filed a dissenting opinion uh, in which Sotomayor and Kagan joined. Uh, Thomas wrote in this, the constitutional right to bear arms in public for self-defense is not, quote, a second-class right subject to an entirely different body of rules than the other Bill of Rights guarantees. The exercise of other constitutional rights does not require individuals to demonstrate to government officers some special need. The Second Amendment right to carry arms in public for self-defense is no different. New York's proper cause requirement violates the 14th Amendment by preventing law-abiding citizens with ordinary self-defense needs from exercising their right to keep and bear arms in public. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure you guys have read at least maybe some of the highlights of uh, the opinion, of Thomas's opinion, but it was like strong. No. And it felt like he was, he came out swinging uh, at, at sometimes um, other justices, I, mm -hmm. I think. And um, it was just, it was really encouraging to see um, at least six of them, the majority of the court, get it completely right on this one. Yeah, the personality stuff was actually kind of fun in here. Yeah. Because, I mean, look, yeah. Clarence Thomas is, is the OG. I mean, yeah. I love him. I love everything about him. He's the most important man in America. All the things. Like, I love him. I can't say enough about him. Yeah. Uh, happy birthday to Clarence Thomas yeah. today, yes. by the way. Happy Great birthday. birthday. <laughs> uh, if you don't want to go through everything and you just feel like I want a short read to get the sense of the tone of this, read uh, Alito's uh, concurring opinion. <laughs> where all he does is just light up Breyer. Like, it's the whole thing is just trashing Breyer's dissent. Uh, it is really fun if, if you like, if you think reading a Supreme Court decision could be fun, this is really fun because <laughs> he just lights him up over and over again uh, because, you know, it, it's, it's nonsensical. His dissent yeah. was nonsensical. It was as if, he, you know, he, look, he doesn't want the Second Amendment to exist. And so yeah. he's trying to argue from a place that is uh, not supported by the Constitution. And, and this law in New York was not supported by the Constitution, I think, quite clearly. Mm -hmm. If you have a Second Amendment right, a right signifies quite clearly that you don't need to justify your use of it. You don't need to come up with an argument as to why you stand out from an ordinary person to exercise a right. If it's a right, 
It's yours. You get to just do it. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to tell everyone why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. It's my answer every time someone says, well, what do you need an AR-15 for? I don't have to justify right. this to I you. I don't have right. to have a reason. I don't have to have a reason. None of your damn business, yeah. that's yeah. why. None yeah. of your business. It's a freaking right. It's the same, you know, the same reason why you don't have to come up with an extraordinary reason to say something controversial, um, to, uh, to, to face your accusers, anything, anything guaranteed to us as a right. You don't have to come up with a specific justification for it, especially the way the New York one is written is you had to come up with not just a justification to use your right, but a, a justification that was above and beyond the ordinary person. <laughs> So, yeah. like, if an ordinary person can't have the right, it's not a right. It's not a right. And the court correctly uh, recognized that today. Yeah. So well said. I wonder if there was anybody that would have just, and I'm sure there would have been, walk in with the Constitution as, here's my just cause. <laughs> here it is. <laughs> here it is. Right here. Fair. Here it is. I, I, I know you have never seen it, but here yeah. it is. It's real. You might try reading it sometime. Yeah. yeah. Look, Clarence Thomas, uh, champion, champion of the Supreme Court. Here, for once, we see those who are, the conservatives in the court actually getting it right. That's refreshing. Mm -hmm. I, loved, I loved, you know, reading his writing on his birthday. He's in a good mood, in a really good mood. <laughs> but you know that there's disdain in that court. There's, mm -hmm. th this is a moment where they could take some shots at each other because it's got to be brutal to be one of those nine in, in, with what's going on and what has been going on and Roberts holding on to the row and, and, you know, the march is outside. So this was a little tongue-in-cheek moment of just taking some swing yeah. at yeah. some other justices. Because yeah. I think it's been coming. It's been bottling up. So I, I, I want to get to uh, the left's reaction to this. But I, you do bring up something um, that I think is interesting, which is... Uh, you're correct in that I do think that there, ha there has to be some tension right now. Absolutely. Because, as you said, Roberts is for some reason, holding on to the Dobbs decision. That, that we've already seen. Well, yeah. if it didn't if, change. If it didn't change, Which yeah. you would think would be the only reason to hold yeah. on to it yeah. would be to try to change, change someone's it. opinion. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you've got the, the obvious death threats on uh, justices' lives. One of them almost carried out. Um, and so it just seems you've got the leak that still, I guess that went away. Nobody cares about that anymore, right? Like you would think yeah. that, the, that the justices would be doing everything that they can to figure out where the leak came from because you just can't do that uh, in America. And yet nothing's being done about that, it seems. Um, I don't know. It just feels like there has to be a lot of tension right about now <laughs> in the Supreme Court. But, but, uh, but, that's, but it used to be. That they were all friends, they a were all friendly, front. they could all, yeah, yeah, yeah. even though they well, might Well, because they were for one another, but Sarah, sorry, uh, you know, Stu, but think about this. They're only marching outside the quote-unquote conservatives' homes. Mm -hmm. So now you're getting into the chamber, mm -hmm. and you're looking across the room to a justice, and they're not marching outside that person's home, right. but they're outside your home. You're getting death threats, they're not. You know, and this is all about a decision we all kind of made together already. Roberts, you're supposed to be on our team, but you're holding it. Yeah. What's the deal? Who are you trying to win over? There has to be tension. Yeah, you would think. Still. Gotta be. I, I think there, there is some tension, certainly. I mean, Clarence Thomas has talked about how there's a lack of trust after the leak, and, mm -hmm. and that's a big problem. Though I will say, uh, I think it was Sotomayor just the other day came out. Someone asked her, how can you, how can you work with Clarence Thomas? And she, was, she defended him and was yeah. like, said, hey, look, you know, he's a, he's a good guy. And, and it's, it's nice to see that. I think like, it's okay to light up someone's ideas. 
and sure. still get along with them. Yes. And I, I think that's a good general concept. I, you know, we, we, we've we lost that at times, I think, mm-hmm. as Civil Americans. Civil discourse. Civil discourse is a good idea. Very good. But it, 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 as long as it doesn't get in the way of your uh, of the important principles behind it like you know i think roberts gets has that problem right where he favors the civil discourse or the civility right. over yes. what the constitution Properly actually says yep. i'd rather protect the reputation of the court than go hard on what i believe and but like, that's a fence sitter who's milk toast right yeah, i and, think so yeah. but yeah. i mean and this is what makes you nervous about yeah. about the coming uh, dobbs case i mean Every day it's not here, it makes me more and more yes. nervous. Yep. If you watch, as you because I have to, you know, every one of these rulings comes down in the middle of the radio show, which mm-hmm. has happened for years and years and years and years and years. So it's always a very stressful time because in hour two, right as we start, I got to read these things and try to figure out cold what the heck is going on and try to explain it to everybody. And as I'm, I'm going through this, you know, you, you have this like feeling of emotion because at the beginning you have, it goes by reverse order of, of uh, seniority. So it starts out with all the Trump appointees at the beginning and you're usually like, okay, if Amy Coney Barrett's writing something, it's probably going to be halfway decent. And then you get kind of get into the Obama era ones. And you have Kagan and Sotomayor, and you get a little nervous. And then comes Alito, and you're like, okay, Alito is here. Maybe this is Dobbs. And then if it's not Dobbs, then you get terrified <laughs> yeah. because you're like, what else is coming? Right? Because yeah, you have Clarence Thomas coming up where he did the gun ruling today. But if Dobbs happens after Alito, it's almost guaranteed Roberts wrote it. Right. And yeah. if Roberts writes it, it's because he yeah. got Kavanaugh right. to, swung to, to swing somebody yeah. over, swung and somebody. they've got some milk toast terrible. Ruling. Exactly. So I, I am legitimately scared about that. Still, yeah. uh, these guys have shown over over time that they can be, be influenced uh, by outside forces, especially Roberts. I mean, he was terrible, but he was on this case. He was he was with mm-hmm. a conservative majority Shockingly. on this. He was he wrote the uh, very good religious liberty case uh, the other day. I just hope that this isn't just a big buildup for a big letdown yeah. with Dobbs, because that's going to be hard to take. I mean, yeah. you know, the conservative legal project all of these years yeah. has tried to, uh, is, this has been the focus, and uh, this is the most important one. If, if that happens, not to delay, but if that happens, it's going to be really bad, because <laughs> it's going to be impossible to convince the conservative side of the ledger or the, or the faith side of the ledger that it was not outside interference. Mm that swung him because well, of fear that they'll say, okay, so the marches worked. So the right. threats worked. So the threats then, yeah, so yeah. Then, then we're just ruled by mob, so, so mob, the co- mob, mob rule at mob that law. point. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. think one thing about Roberts quickly on this is that sure. he, the, the one statement he made was, we're not going to let uh, these guys derail us from the way we're doing business. And the normal way they would do this, I mean, in any other year, would be to release Dobbs last because yeah. it's, gonna, it's the biggest one. It's the most controversial one. It seems to be the way it always goes. And so I think there's an argument to say that, like, if he's if he really means that. That's true. He's not going to get this time. It should be the one time he hold, should make sure hold he line. holds the line yeah. Yeah. and doesn't give in to all this pressure, because if they give in to this. It really is the reputation of the court that gets thrown. It it incentivizes people to leak in the future. It incentivizes all of these structures to break down. If he actually cares about the court, I mean, I think that it's clear here. This should go forward as it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, so I want to get back to the, uh, the the gun control one that was just struck down. So, of course, Joe Biden released a statement that he is he's disappointed. Uh, he said, I am deeply disappointed by the Supreme Court ruling. This ruling contradicts both common sense 
and the Constitution and should deeply trouble us all. Again, they probably should read the Constitution before they bother commenting on it. Uh, He says, I urge states to continue to enact and enforce common sense laws to make their citizens and communities safer from gun violence. Um, It's interesting because I want to play just the insufferable New York governor, Kathy uh, Hochul. But I I do want to say it's interesting because... They use these words, common sense, and I understand they do it on purpose so that they can sound like the reasonable ones, the sane ones. But it's like, I heard someone the other day say, well, we just need common sense, gun reform. Look, in New Zealand, they, you have to have a, like a letters written by like two family members or something. Plus, the police come and check your inspect your house and make sure that you and all of the people who live in your house are totally fine to own it. So like that's just common sense. And I'm like. What in what world would you consider that okay? Like, yeah. uh, because I'm coming from a place of like, I live in America, sweetheart. Like, yes. that's that's not at all okay. The police are coming into my house, and I haven't done anything wrong. Absolutely not. And it just makes me so sad for these people who don't seem to understand what true liberty and freedom actually is. Um, but I, so I want to play for you, uh, New York Governor Kathy Hochul, who responded to this ruling by, I don't know, saying that the only weapons at the time the Constitution was written were like muskets. So yeah, she'd be in favor of just going back to muskets, watch. And I'm sorry this dark day has come. They were supposed to go back to what was in place since 1788 when the Constitution of the United States of America was ratified. And I would like to point out to the Supreme Court justices that the only weapons at the time were muskets. I'm prepared to go back to muskets. I don't think they envision the high-capacity assault weapon magazines intended for battlefields as being covered from it, but I guess we're just going to have to disagree. Mm-hmm. Yes, I guess <laughs> no, we are. Yeah, I guess we are. Disagree. Agree to disagree. She's Great. talking about go back. No, it's the Constitution. Well, no. that's what, well, but she's, she's basically admitting that yeah. like they've already infringed upon our exactly. rights given to us yes. by that. Yeah. But that's why it says bear arms. Mm-hmm. That's why it doesn't say bear a musket. Right. Otherwise, they would have written bear a musket. Why? Because they saw an evolution of weapons in their lifetime. Mm. Because to them, the musket was a very violent, volatile weapon. Well, how about cannons? Because okay. cannons. Because just a number of years before, when they were young boys, before they came over, weapons weren't muskets. So they knew there's an evolution. If they meant muskets, they would have written muskets. No, they said bear arms mm-hmm. because they absolutely understood. Hey, this is going to evolve. Bear arms means bear arms. Well, they also, I think, understood, obviously, that um, the whole entire point was like, hey, if the military has access to it, uh, the common people should have it, too, because the entire point is that they can protect themselves from government tyranny, not to go freaking hunting. That's the most important point, Sarah. (laughs) It's like they, muskets were the military weapon of choice. They wanted parity with the military. (laughs) Absolutely. She's, of course, wrong. There were other types of weapons, and people owned them, too. I mean, Lewis and Clark wound up with cannons and guns with 30 plus round magazines Absolutely. for lack of a better high word. capacity high capacity uh, high they capacity. had them um, you know this has been something that they've been trying to do forever and it honestly like you know look the gov- she wasn't even supposed to be the governor right yeah. she i mean it's only because andrew cuomo is awful.com does she actually become governor in the first place she obviously knows nothing about these topics yeah. and she's giving you the you know C-level Huffington Post editor version of this argument, right? Yeah. Like, it's not even a good attempt. Uh, it's it's laughed away. It's in the, I mean, it's in the text. They talk extensively about that to the point that the people arguing against 
the conservative constitutional side of the argument in this particular case didn't even try to win that point. Mm -hmm. They didn't even make those arguments themselves in the actual case. It was already assumed that you have the rights to these these weapons in the home. It was just a matter of whether you could take them out and whether their law was constitutional. And by the way, it was not. It was not. Yeah. Um, I, you mentioned that uh, she was not actually picked. She was not elected by the voters, um, and she's very stupid. Joe Biden says the same thing about, you know, regular people didn't own cannons. What are you talking about? He seems to know uh, just as little as she does. But I think you could also maybe argue that he also wasn't elected <laughs> well, by the well, voters. I love that. that. <laughs> so, uh, all right, we've got more to come. If we're still on YouTube, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> first, we want to thank our sponsor, Tommy John. So, uh, look, it's really hot in Texas. And uh, when you have this, like, I don't know, uh, underwear or women bras or whatever. I don't want to know what happens in y'all's pants, but I hear that it can get very swampy when it gets hot. It's toasty down here. It could. Uh, it could. Toasty. It tends to get, it tends to get a little swampy. Ventilation is a good thing. Ventilation is a good thing. It's a good thing. Breathable, lightweight fabric is a good thing. <laughs> uh, that is why you need Tommy John. On top of that, they offer the softest, the softest clothing, loungewear, bras, underwear, everything that they have is the softest material you will ever put on your body. They have over 17 million pairs sold. Uh, I Look, I say this all the time, it, I really mean it. I never thought that it would live up to the hype. Yeah. Before, really I was like, okay, I hear people talk about this and I'm like, there's no freaking way it is really that great. And it really is. It is the best thing you will ever put on your body. I'm very passionate about this, might I say. Uh, you are always covered with their best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. You can go to shoptommyjohn.com slash why. Get 20% off your first order. It is summertime. You guys need this now. 20% off over at tommyjohn.com slash why. See site for details. Yesterday, good old Joe, we were just talking about Joe, who obviously was elected in the safest and most secure election ever. Voter fraud has never happened in the history of the country. I just wanted to get that out of the Thank way uh, yesterday. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden, <laughs> while giving remarks on uh, Putin's invasion and rising gas prices, he once again called on gas companies to lower their prices, but not just gas companies, I guess gas stations yep. as well. Watch. So let's be honest with one another. Huh? My message is mm -hmm. simple. To the companies running gas stations, and setting those prices at the pump. This is a time of war, global peril, Ukraine. These are not normal times. Okay. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you are paying for the product. Do it now. Do it today. The creepy whispering, it just, I, I mm -hmm. can't get over it. I, I'm sorry, I'm stuck on the, what did he mumble at the beginning? Do we even know? <laughs> can, you, can you start, to, can we play that one more time? So let's be honest with one another. Oh, with one another. Let's be honest with one another. Let's be honest with one another. Oh, bird. It's his, it's his Nancy impersonation. <laughs> it sounds uh, like us on Power Hour. <laughs> Which will be happening uh, very soon. Yeah, July 8th. Um, so, yeah. So now we've heard from the White House. Didn't they? It, didn't they say it's the the uh, oil and gas companies' patriotic duty? to make this gas more affordable. Now they're saying the gas station is supposed to just, just like, drop the price. take it in the rear because just Joe Biden doesn't want to do anything to help oil and gas. I mean, like, he literally, was it not day one that he wanted to 
let's undo all of the progress Trump had made, yep. making us energy independent, and we're going to cancel all of that. Uh, and on purpose, because Trump had done it, so it must be bad, but it's everyone else's problem to solve, I guess. It's your patriotic duty to get more of this product that is destroying the world and killing all of our children and making everyone move away from the water because everyone's right. going to flood with global warming. Yeah, it's a bizarre s series of positions. Like, you can have one of these positions, but you can't have both of them. You can't say global warming is going to wipe out the entire world and we need more oil right this second. It's so bizarre. It's so strange. And it's like this... Uh, non-stop uh, inconsistency, right? I mean, like, they want to be able to say to their environmentalist supporters, hey, we're doing everything we can to turn off the oil. We're going to get off of it by 2030, by 2050. We're going to be net zero. We're going to do all these things. We're going to take drastic measures day one, you know, executive order after executive order after executive order. All this money, they wanted to pass a version of the Green New Deal and build back better. All of these things they said they were going to do. And then they come with a straight face to the American people and say, your gas prices are high. We know, but we have not done anything to restrict supply at all. We've done nothing. Now, how do they go back to their own voters after saying that and say, hey, you know, we didn't do any, we, I know we said we ran a whole campaign saying we were gonna get rid of it, but we didn't do anything when we got in office. We didn't restrict supply at all. They, obviously they're lying. They have done tons of things to hurt this industry. And while the president of the United States does not, uh, he cannot do what he's thinking the gas stations can do. He does not, you know, set the price of oil with a pen and a paper. That's not how this works, but you can, send signals to uh, oil companies that you're trying to put them out of business, why on earth would they invest right. more yeah. right now? And you can block them at every turn. He's blocked them uh, yeah. uh, uh, offshore. He's blocked them uh, on federal lands. He's made everything, he's done every move he could in his own power to try to thwart this industry. And we're all paying the price for his incompetence. Yeah. Look, the regulatory environment that he has created and his administration doesn't allow oil to flow in the country. Mm. People talk Keystone. Keystone was one of multiple pipelines. Mm -hmm. He did not just shut down the Keystone pipeline. In the same week, and, and yes, to his voters, the, the, the 90 million amazing voters that made him more popular in the black community than Barack Obama, mm -hmm. all those voters, <laughs> may believe that a gas station just decides what the price is by itself and it just lowers the price. Magically, come on. Now, now he's passing the blame to them. But the interesting thing is that nobody's talking about this is happening at the same work week when he's starting to talk to the Saudi prince mm. in Saudi Aramco, where we're now going to buy oil from the Middle East again. And I said this before they came in. We will be in a Middle East war. You hear me today because oil lost its value in the Middle East. It stabilized the Middle East. We became energy independent. Now the Saudi prince is going, ah, oh, you need us. He's going to buff up Saudi Ramco again. There's going to be war in the Middle East because oil is going to be the hot ticket. He's talking to the crown prince. He, it, this is happening. In the same week, he's saying, hey, gas station, bad. Bad on you. You need to lower the price. We're not producing anything in this country. The price is through the roof because we're importing it. And now we're going back to the Saudis. Watch. Hmm. It'll be interesting to see um, how that plays out. You know, it, it's it's funny because yesterday on the program we talked about um, how they were saying the what was it? MSNBC, CNN, uh, Washington Post was saying like, look, 
we don't want the country voting on their high gas prices. That's going to be a problem for us. They should, we, should, we need to figure out a way to make sure that they are not going and using this as a reason to vote for the stinky Republicans again. Uh, well, they're also uh, over at MSNBC talking about, like, look, stop complaining about your gas. Stop complaining about high prices of everything, inflation. Uh, you don't need to look. Do you really need to feed your family that much? Just stop complaining. OK, you still have your jobs or something. Watch. You know, I'm just going to say this, and 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 if I get banged for it, I don't care. Okay, there, are, there is a great deal of Americans where it is uncomfortable that mm. they're spending more, but they are not going to go under. Mm. You know, you you got to stop complaining when there's so many people who literally the inflation rate means they may only have two meals instead of three. There are <laughs> Americans who did extremely well in the last two years in the market. You still have your job. And yeah, it's costing you more for gas. But guess what? You're still going to take that holiday, that 4th of July vacation. You can still eat out. What? So I'm going to need you to calm down and back off because it feeds into this fear. Okay, so is the underprivileged community paying less for gas today? And it's just the wealthy that's paying more and you should not complain? No. The, the person who's only eating one meal a day, sister, yeah, is paying it. seven bucks a gallon for gas. Now they eat nothing. She's, she's, I mean, you can even tell just from her background behind her of like her, look, her little antique typewriters and stuff and the globe behind her. It's like, Oh, I see. You're just an elitist who doesn't understand how all of these high prices is actually affecting the average American citizen and could be so unprofessional to say, I'm going to need you to calm down and back off. Yeah. I mean, is her argument really like calm down? Not 100 percent of people are in poverty right now. Like That seems to be her argument. Yes. Yes. There are some people who are still able. uh, They're still paying a lot more for gas. They still have less of their own money. That's uh, tragic in its own sense. But of course, the more these prices go up, the more people you have being put in those in those positions. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think when we talk about gas prices, look, I'm a whiner about gas prices. I don't want to pay more on gas. I ordered a car now over 10 months ago and it still has not arrived. And when that car does arrive, I will want to send it back because it gets like four <laughs> miles per gallon. So and I will complain about that. But that's not my serious policy complaint about what's going on right yeah. now. What I am thinking about is the people she seemingly is describing there, the people who are on the verge of not being able to pay for food and their home and their electricity and their gas prices. Those are the people getting hurt here. It's not people like Joe Biden. It's not people like Hunter Biden. Exactly. It's people who are right on the verge of of not being able to pay their bills. Stu, that woman just disgusted me. Here's a black woman. This is the kind of person that will sell to a black person that Margaret Sanger is really a good idea. Mm. Planned Parenthood is really a good idea. She was literally just walking, trampling on her own people that are in very mm-hmm. underprivileged positions who are being hit harder than anybody else. Because if you are a mom, a lot of them single in the black community, in a struggling area, you're still paying the same at the gas pump. Mm-hmm. And oh no, that mom is not in the stock market. Mm-hmm. That mom didn't make gains in the stock market. She just completely disgraced a whole class of people in yeah. our country, which disproportionately happens to fall in the black community. And she's a black woman. She's yeah. an elitist, yeah. an absolute elitist. Uh, and in obviously living in a bubble and doesn't understand how the rest of the world lives. Um, all right, we've got more, but uh, we got to take a quick break. First, we want to thank our sponsor, First Liberty Institute. So look, we're talking about all the stuff happening in the Supreme Court. 
Court packing is a really big danger to our country, and uh, court packing, it's a coup. Uh, you've got Biden, Pelosi, Schumer. They're all working overtime on new radical plans to pack the Supreme Court. And trust me, whenever all of these, all of these decisions come out that they don't like, this is on their mind. They are talking about doing it. They, nothing's going to stop them, presumably, from installing four more justices so they can rig the system in their favor. It's going to be catastrophic for everything, our country, our way of life. We cannot let that happen. That's why First Liberty needs you to join them. Uh, they're gathering a coalition of one million patriots to say no to court packing uh, and to the Supreme Court coup. Look, all they're asking you to do is go over to the website and sign your name. You can join over 400,000 people who have done it already. Just go sign your name over at supremecoup.com. That is supremecoup.com. Today is the one-year anniversary of British-born U.S. technology entrepreneur John McAfee's death. Now, he allegedly committed suicide in Barcelona. Uh, he lived for years on the run from United States authorities. Just He was an, a, a charming oddball, I would say. Um, some of that time, he was aboard a mega yacht. He was indicted in Tennessee on tax evasion charges and charged in a cryptocurrency fraud case in New York. Uh, now, look, he left the United States. He wanted to avoid the trial. Um, he lived on the yacht with his wife, his four dogs, two security guards, and seven staff. Um, but the interesting thing is, it's been a year, I said, this is the one-year anniversary of his death. It's been a whole year, and his body still remains in a Spanish morgue uh, as a legal case lodged by his family to demand further checks is yet to be resolved. His wife's like, I, I want my husband's body. I need you to release it. Like, I, I want, hello, it's been a year. Why are you guys not doing anything? And um, I just find this so fascinating. So I wanted to bring someone uh, to the program who could speak on it. And uh, that person is author Mark Eglinton. Now, he is the author of No Domain, the John McAfee tapes, uh, in which, Mark, you interviewed, did extensive interviews with John McAfee. And, and I want to I wanna talk to you about the book, but I want to ask you, about like, how is it possible that the Spanish government is still, or the Spanish morgue, so I really, uh, presumably the Spanish government is still allowing this morgue to hang on to his body for so long? Yeah, thanks, Sarah. I mean, for me, it's uh, incomprehensible as well because I talked when John died a year ago to, to the media and it was in, in, incomprehensible to me that there should be no sort of concrete, evidence as to what happened to him at the time, far less what the situation is now. So as it stands today, as you rightly say, it's been a year. We're actually no further on than we were in, in June of last year. Nobody knows really what happened to him. There's been a request for a independent autopsy, which hasn't been granted yet. And it's a mystery. And if the Spanish uh, authorities are trying to make this not suspicious, they're not doing the, the, the best job of it the way I see it. Yeah, I mean, so his um, his wife, his widow, she says, get, tell me if I have this correct, she says that he was not suicidal and she does not think that he committed suicide at all. Do I have that correct? Yeah, she she's adamant that John didn't commit suicide. I mean, from my perspective, and it's only mine, I, I, I'm less committed to that, to that opinion. But uh, the longer this goes on and the longer there's no resolution whatsoever to the to the situation with his remains, I mean, I'm open to any, any explanation at this moment, including whether the body they have is even his. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you want to jump in? Yeah, yeah can I? Yeah, please. Where's, where's the U.S. Embassy 
you know, standing on this and, and our foreign policy, is the, is the widow getting any support from, from the, you know, is there any other governmental support to at least get that autopsy seen or, or is she basically fighting this on her own? My understanding is that she's fighting this on her own. Uh, she has legal representation in the U.S., uh, but this all appears to stop with the Spanish lawyers and the Spanish courts. And as I said earlier, there is an appeal outstanding, which hasn't been granted yet. But I mean, who, who knows how long that could be? I mean, we're already at a year. And, you know, apart from anything else, I'm wondering about the practicalities of keeping a body for a year and a more. Yeah. I don't know how that works. Mm -hmm. uh, far less the legal implications of doing it. Yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, you mentioned you were uh, a little less likely to believe that he didn't commit suicide. But I again, yeah. the more that this goes on, mm -hmm. it's like, OK, well, she's saying he the last conversation she had with him was, I love you and I'll call you in the morning. Obviously, he had his legal problems, you know, um, but <laughs> the longer this goes on, it, you, as you pointed out, Mark, it certainly does not make them look good. It doesn't. I mean, the, the way I see it at the moment, it's a very. There, there, there are two options. One is uh, grant a second autopsy to establish what happened, or the other is just release the remains on the basis that they believe he committed suicide and at least let the guy be buried mm -hmm. or uh, at least be mourned properly. But neither of these things are happening. And what's worst is that nobody seems to really know why these things aren't happening. There's very little communication. Uh, I see the Spanish uh, courts were contacted and didn't really comment other than to say that there's an appeal outstanding and but, but didn't say when that appeal would even be heard. So, I mean, who knows? We could be in this situation in a year's time from now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to I want to ask you about your book. As I mentioned earlier, you you wrote a book and you just did all of these extensive interviews with John McAfee. I just wanted to ask you, like, what prompted you to be like, I want to write a book. I want to interview John McAfee and write about him. I mean, this is what I do. I mean, I'm, I'm a co-writer. I, I, I work with people who uh, who want to tell their story. I sent him a message on Twitter and said, I can't believe you haven't written a book. And he came back to me and said, how much is it going to cost me? And I said, it's not going to cost you anything. We'll just do it. So this started out as his autobiography that I was going to co-write for him. And we we talked for months while he was in hiding on the run. And then it got to a point where John bailed on the the sort of the, the, the details of the deal simply because he couldn't be paid in crypto. Oh. Uh, so that left me in a position where I had to go with this book on my own with his permission, which I did get. I wrote to him and said, do you mind if I publish this book? It will essentially be your life story as told to me, uh, but it will have just my name on the cover. Do you mind if I do that? And he said, absolutely not. Go ahead and do it. I want my story told. So that's how it all happened. But John is just one of many people that I've contacted and said, would you like to tell me your life story? And, and some of them do and some of them don't. He really is a fascinating guy. We talked to him when he was running for office mm -hmm. uh, back in the day. But, you know, you had extensive conversations with him. Who was he really? Be yeah. You know, because I... You know, he was accused of murder at one point, yeah. right, in, in Belize. He was, uh, he ran for president. He was always a fascinating guy to talk about. He always had a different perspective. But, I mean, there's some people who really accuse him of some, some real terrible things. Yeah, I mean, we, we touched on all of that in the book, and it's in there. I, do, I, I don't want to promote the book today because I'm, 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 I'm focusing on it being a year since he passed away. But, I mean, anyone that does want to know John should read it because 
In actual fact, the early McAfee, which is by that I mean pre-McAfee Associates, which is uh, the antivirus software that people still have on their computer, is actually a lot more interesting than what happened afterwards. Uh, John lived this just bizarrely itinerant life whereby he just basically cast himself up into the ether and allowed himself to be blown by the wind in every sense. I mean, it does help if you have several hundred million uh, dollars at your back, which he did. I made the comment to him that if I tried to live like he did, I'd probably be homeless in 48 hours or something. But (laughs) he did live this incredible life. And it was all entirely based on what he felt like doing. You know, if he felt like building a house in Ecuador, he did it. If he felt like, you know, moving to Colorado and living in the mountains, he did that too. And and like you mentioned, Belize was just another one of these ideas. He wanted to go and explore uh, antiseptics, antibiotics in the jungle and he did it. But with John, everything ended in trouble always because he couldn't resist getting involved in local issues, etc. And that's that was some of the things that brought him down, he, he, he usually found some trouble. Yeah. Um, well, Mark, we, uh, we appreciate you being on with us to, uh, to discuss this. Will you keep us abreast of any changes on uh, what's going on with his body? Because I, I really want to know how this, how this ends. Yeah, 100%. I mean, on social media, I'm at Mark Eglinton on Twitter. You can follow me there. Anything that's happening with the, the McAfee story, I'll post it there. But uh, let's just hope we get a resolution pretty soon and we can get John's body back in the US or the UK. He was a dual citizen and at least get, uh, uh, get him mourned and get him buried. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that is Mark Eglinton. He is the author of No Domain, the John McAfee tapes. I am, uh, I am about halfway through it and I love it. Highly recommend it. Uh, You can find it on Amazon and I'm sure wherever you find your books. Mark, thank you so much for being on and uh, we will be right back. Yesterday, uh, Joe Biden appearing to meet with kids and parents at a school. They were talking about, of course, you know, how great it is. It's awesome that uh, we are providing these mRNA vaccines for children, really, really young children. Really awesome because, as we know, gentlemen, I think both of you understand the carnage that COVID has done to young children. Mm -hmm. Huge, huge problem. The only thing we should be worried about in this country is how many drop dead. I see piles of them. Every time I, I, I commute in, I see piles of You have of, to walk around the dead yeah. children's yeah. bodies it's, from it's COVID. Sad. As it's really you sad. <laughs> oh, no, that was, I drove by an abortion clinic. That's oh, what yeah, whoops. So um, I can see how you would get the two mm-hmm. confused. Uh, so Joe Biden, this honestly, one of the most annoying parts about this story to me, the video that I'm about to play for you guys, is that everyone is still freaking wearing those stupid masks. Yeah. But uh, he was meeting with these kids and parents at, uh, at the school. And interestingly enough, he, uh, he told everyone that Dr. Ja, I think that's how you say the doctor's name, this is the White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator. Oh, the White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator is actually the one running the CDC. Watch. Well, is a doctor here? No, I'm sorry. Oh, doctor. He's the guy that's running the CDC for me these days, basically. And he's up there. He's standing on stage. He's ready to perform. Uh, that's uh, Rochelle Walensky, I guess. Uh, she, the news to her, probably. Yep. She's like, wow, I've just been doing all of this 
uh, evil, corrupt work for you and you don't even appreciate it. <laughs> I don't That's even get wrong. the credit. Yeah, I wanted to get the credit for all of the evil, corrupt things. Can you walk me through why it makes sense for him to take the mask off to say that, though? Like, if again, I don't, you know, the, the mask thing has been so beat to death, uh-huh. but like, if you're going to bother to wear it <laughs> uh-huh. when you Stick need to wear it, it is when you're talking. Right? Yes. That's the point. That's yes. the, the exact moment where it needs to you're be wrong. on. You're wrong. Okay. You're yeah. wrong. Okay. So I'll ask the head of the CDC. Dr. Zha? Yeah, Dr. Zha. Well, let me let me break it down for you, <laughs> Stu. Okay, yeah. Apparently, you help can't him. seem help to figure him, it Sarah. out. Please. Okay? Help him. When you are uh, entering a restaurant, it can attack you. Okay. When you're sitting at a restaurant, it cannot. Okay. Oh, okay. When right. you are uh, having a, uh, a rally to fight for your freedoms, it can attack you. Mm-hmm. When you're burning down buildings and rioting, yeah. it cannot attack you. Okay, okay. okay? Mm-hmm. When you are talking with children around... It cannot attack you. Okay. Any but, other time, it can. Okay. But That's what, just the science. While, while you're talking to the children about getting a jab. Yeah. I yeah, mean, right. it's just, well, yeah. but the, when, you're ta- when you're talking and there are kids around, it cancels it out. It's the yeah. kids that cancels it out. That's the key. But like, if You the haven't kids, seen the studies? But if, you, if it's okay, if it can't affect the kids when you're talking to them, why do they need the vaccine? <laughs> it's Did we not just talk about the dead bodies? Uh, that's true. I, but All wait, you said it couldn't affect, I don't know. I'm a little confused. I will say I've, I've reached the level of confusion. Are you, are you, are you not confused yet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was in uh, some grocery store today, actually, and it was uh, Sprouts. Uh-huh. Sprouts yeah. is like, yeah. you know, very like granola. It's, it's a it's, Sarah place, it right? I was going to say, it's The type of place Sarah would shop, right? Absolutely. And I walk in there, and I saw a guy with a mask on as I walked in, and I, and I realized, like, how now it really seems abnormal again. Yes. Like, I, like it, yeah. we went through that period where it felt like everybody was wearing them, and then it started, started, started to fade away a little bit. And now we're at the point where you walk in pretty much anywhere, at least in Texas. I know this is different in some mm-hmm. places in the country, but you walk in, really, you don't see them anymore. Yeah. And it, it is... Again, there's still problems. We still have this. We're still dealing with all of the nonsense associated with it. But it is nice that we have cleared, I think, at least 95% of this nonsense out of our lives. At least we can celebrate that. Yeah. I, although I will say there is a my toddler goes to like toddler gym class and mm. there is a mom who uh, always wears a mask and puts a mask on her toddler yeah, who yeah. I swear to you is younger than my son. And so even the CDC is like, don't do that. They could suffocate. And the kids got the little mask on. And it, I'm just like, I can't even go because it just makes me mad. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's it's child abuse by these parents. But funny enough, those who are wearing masks right now, they're holding out, man. They are they are diehard. They, well, you can't yeah, give no, it up. Because if you get it, give it up, what do you have? Identity has gone. Yeah. It is. They're, they're they whole, swore their allegiance identity. to this thing. This yeah. is their whole future. What now? You can't ask, ask them to... You know, to part with the diaper. And part of this, too, is like you scare people enough on these things. It's like with the George Floyd thing. When you, when you tell uh, a race of people, uh, the left has done this for decades, that yep. every cop is out there to kill you. Right? Absolutely. Like some people are going to wind up believing it, whether it's true or not. And no, I think lots, this is the case here. All these doctors know the risk for young children from COVID is extraordinarily yeah, yeah. low. It's not non-existent, but extraordinarily low. Basically zero. But Basically the, but zero. But the power of persuasion is, if we saw anything, Coercion and the yeah. power of persuasion, and then fear. How fast yeah. Americans fear, right? Yeah, and now it's powerful. Big, uh, you know, not big, but there's a small chunk of people who are so dedicated to the fear of this, and they're yeah. so legitimately scared that this is how they treat their children. It's terrible. Yeah, it's yeah. awful. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back. You know, there's obviously the crazy leftists, but there's some of these people that are just like freaking terrible. Yeah. 
Representative Eric Swalwell, who you probably know as the uh, congressman who farted on television, he tweeted out yesterday, Today, I gave a tour in the Capitol and was stopped by a father with his young boy. The father yelled at me, Hey, Swalwell, and then told his son, That's Swalwell. He's trouble. He doesn't back Trump. I kept walking and felt sad for the boy. He's being raised in a cult <laughs> family. I'm so sure that actually yes, happened. No way that happened. I'm uh, so okay. sure. Now, what did happen is he had sex with a Chinese spy. That, that, that happened. happened. That was a real thing. What did Same happen thing? is he farted on TV. <laughs> that, happened. That, happened. that happened. This did not happen. <laughs> He's, he keeps doing this. Have you seen, like, with his son, too? He's like, my son asked me how we're going to keep all the bad guys from shooting students. I'm like, you're talking to your seven-year-old exactly. son about school shootings? Right, like, so either so you're weird. a giant liar or horrible you're a horrible friend. person or both. You try to shield your kids from the <laughs> yes. trauma or four traumas of yeah. life that's oh, part of your job as a parent. God. At least at seven years old, it certainly is. This guy is horrible. Yeah. yeah, he is. Why would you call Hey Swalwell if you were just telling your son that's Swalwell. Exactly. You yeah. wouldn't be like, hey, Swalwell, watch me tell my son this. Hey, that doesn't that, make any sense. Hey, Swalwell, son, that's Swalwell. That doesn't make any sense. No, no, no If you're going to lie, at least be better at it. Okay? That's all I'm asking. Stuber gear. They're all kind of bad at it. They're learning from Joe. Yeah. <laughs> He's the worst. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.